Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. So I teased out uh, before the break uh, Nathaniel Hackett saying uh, that, uh, you know, he needs to find a way to toe the line between friend and coach and how difficult that is. And, uh, yeah. Donnie, can you play that sound so I can get into this distraction segment? Play that sound, please, if you got it pulled up. You know, for me, I do this for the players. You know, I mean, I do this because I love watching those guys be successful out there. And I always want them to know I support them. I'm with them. Every one of the guys, you know, I mean, I try to run with them when I can once I get back in shape. Um, but, you know, just every single thing so they know I'm right there with them because it's a hard season. And, and, you know, they have to know that the coaches are always there to support them. So I think friendship and relationship is, is very important. That's what I was brought up to do. That's how my dad was. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty successful guy. And, um, you know, I, in the end, you look back and look at all those relationships you've had with the players. I think, you know, as the head coach, they still have to understand that there is a time that it's business. And when we ask them and we define that, if they don't do it, then somebody's going to have to say something. I think that's my job to be able to create that relationship. Yeah, you can be a friend, but even with your friends, with your brother, with your family, you know, my kids, I mean, hey, you put your foot down and there are things that you stand for. And the idea is for them to know that. And when they know that, then we're good. So I think there's always, uh, there's a line, I guess, but it's just about having a great relationship and communication. Uh, when I look back at my life, my coaches were some of the most foundational people in my life. Uh, I can barely talk about my high school coach, Jim Brownfield, without getting choked up. The man saw something in me that I did not see in myself. He brought out something to me that I didn't know was in there um, and unleashed the football player that you know, I eventually became. And so I recognize that there is a special relationship there between coach and player. Um, there is a line where friendship, I suppose, maybe not the right word, not the word that I would use, but a friendly nature uh, and a relationship needs to be there. The players need to know that you uh, love on them from a, you know, not a romantic love, but like an agape love kind Gotta of be way. Weird, yeah. yeah, and but they need to know that so they can begin to trust you, so they can buy into what you're selling as a coach. Um, but to be friends, uh, to have dinner at each other's houses on the regular, not part of like, oh, I'm having the petition group over. Why don't you all guys come over and meet my family? That's a different thing than, hey, you and I, one-on-one, let's have some dinner. Uh, we exchange Christmas cards, whatever the case may be. So Nathaniel Hackett, I think, is right there towing that line. It sounds like he's got some experience with this. But as a head coach, it is a bit different. Um, you know, I had Bill Cowher and Mike Holmgren and Bill Belichick. Uh, none of those guys, I'd say, were friends with any of the players. Friendly, no doubt about that. And I certainly learned a lot about football from all those guys. And each of them had their way of conducting relationships. Um, but Nathaniel Hackett is a little bit of a new age coach, brings a bit of a new age thinking. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he's able to toe that line. Those coaches from my past who I've got this tremendous amount of respect for, who were such foundational pieces of my life, Brian Cabral at the University of Colorado, it wasn't because they were my friend. It was because they were very demanding of me, and they pulled something extra out of me, and they made me a better person and a better player, not by being friendly, but by you know being a true coach. 
And you, know, you obviously you had Mike Shanahan. And I don't think Mike was running around being friendly with all the guys either. No, he wasn't. That wasn't his style. Um, but this is a new style, and I think this is the, the innovation that George Payne was talking about. It's, it's, it's more of a there's more love involved. There's more family involved. There's more listening involved from the coaching staff, listening to the players, listening to their problems, listening about their lives. I think the hope is that if you care about these guys off the field, if you establish these relationships with these players off the field as men, then you're going to get more out of them on the field. They're going to be more likely to say yes when you ask them to do something difficult, and they're also going to hear you out more when you have something critical to say of them. You know, there there's this kind of common theme of a coach yelling at a player, yep. right? And, uh-huh. and and the player may, being under his breath, man, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me, all this stuff. And there's an adversarial relationship that's created between players and coaches constantly, especially during the dog days of training camp. But part of that is, I think, necessary to forging a sharp, uh, hardened team. Oh, you hear some cheers because the man himself, Russell Wilson, has just jogged out onto the field. And two minutes ago, Sierra and his whole family walked right in front of us. Um, so the man has uh, has entered the chat, and um, there was a large contingent of media people around the door where he walked out getting that footage. And so now here he is uh, getting down in his stance, and he's about to take a snap from Harry. Harry's a longtime equipment guy, ball boy, who uh, has been here for 20-plus ah, years since I got here. So all those faces are the same, the operational people, but the players are new, and this is a Russell Wilson era. But look, as far as Nathaniel Hackett goes, he cares. He's the type of person that cares. And so you want to be yourself as the coach. If you try to adopt a new personality now that you're coach, well, it's going to come off as phony. So if you're a person who likes to hug, who likes to have intimate conversations, who likes to know about your players' lives, then be that guy. But like he said, when the moment comes to put your foot down and let guys know when they're not living up to the standard, you're going to do that too. And I think it means more, and it, and, and it stands out more when you've created this friendship around it, and then all of a sudden, boom, I've snapped out of that, and what you're doing is not good enough. I need more out of you, Chad. When I say that to you as your friend, you go, oh, okay, maybe I am slacking off. Whereas if it's just a coach who's always yelling at you, you just assume it's a coach who was always yelling at you. Right. Yeah. Right. You tune, you tune, you tune, you tune that coach out. Uh, the coach who was a built and established a relationship with you. Yeah, you pay a little bit more attention. The words hit a little deeper. They land a little uh, in, in, in the correct spot. Russell Wilson uh, was about to take a, took a couple of snaps, ran over to the crowd. And He's smiled. working the crowd right working now. The crowd. Uh, working this, the crowd. This guy is, uh, you know, the, the real deal. Uh, we can talk about the entourage and some of the a little bit more cliche corniness of it all, but uh, the Broncos are extremely lucky to have him under center. The organization is lucky to have him from a fan standpoint and generating energy around this Broncos team this year. Uh, yeah, we are lucky as a city to, to have this guy. Russell Wilson came out donning the practice pants. Everyone else is mostly in shorts, but he continues the tradition of wearing the practice pants, uh, the game pants. He's hugging He's hugging his family right and now, Sierra, practice. and the three kids have come out, and they're having a short embrace by the sideline, and now he's he's running back to to the fellas on the field uh, to, to handle the football. So he said hello to the crowd. He said hello to the family. Now he's ready to go to work, Chad. All business from here on out for Russ. Uh, this is uh, this is exciting, man. I wore my ready-to-ride T-shirt today, and uh, I got to say it is 
extra soft. And man, you got to feel this shirt. No doubt about this. Man, you got to feel this shirt. <laughs> so, so somebody texted in the Ted Lasso school of coaching. I'm with it. Do you think? Do you think uh, Hackett's got too much Ted Lasso in him? Too much feel good stuff? It, because it is different than my football experience. Um, I do have some concerns, and I've had some coaches who were a little bit more friendly and we'll call it touchy-feely than other coaches. Um, but football is a is a tough game. It needs to be played by tough men, and there needs to be a high level of discipline, accountability, and all of that. So there is, a, I think, a, an, an, a way of thinking that says, oh, if you're going to be a nice guy, you can't instill discipline upon your team. Uh, I think Tony Dungy would push back on that, the success that he had there. Obviously, he had the sheriff in town, which, you know, was that rising tide that lifted all boats and kind of installed a level of discipline in that Colts organization. Uh, So for Nathaniel Hackett, to have a guy like Russell Wilson, who puts in such a tremendous amount of work, the very opposite of Kyler Murray, who gets a $230 million deal, and the Arizona Cardinals have to mandate that he does four hours of independent film study. You think, you think in, uh, Russ is putting in four hours? Uh, I think he puts in four hours How every day. How does he fit that in between his trips to Monica and London, man? He, well, he's on his own private jet. They got TVs on that jet. He flies with his team. How do you know he's just not taking pictures of himself watching film, but he's not really watching film? <laughs> uh... Because I've heard Russ talk about football and the, the blackboardness of uh, playing quarterback and his, you know, his understanding of being a quarterback is such a tremendous thing. And this is one of my favorite parts of watching Russ right now, watching him warm up versus the other quarterbacks. Not to say the other quarterbacks are doing it wrong, but the precision of Russell's footwork, even in a warm-up drill, makes him stand out amongst every other quarterback on the field. Uh, again, we're lucky to have this dude. Yeah, his fo- footwork is impeccable. We hear that a lot from basically when a quarterback has bad footwork, you hear you hear it more because it shows up. You know, not to harp on Drew Locke, but his footwork was poor and it showed up a lot of times on his errant throws. He would hit his back foot, fade off of it, and throw a ball out of bounds. Um, you always have to be uh, precise on the platform that you're throwing from and you want that platform to always be the same even when you're moving the pocket. And his feet are always moving. And um, yeah, he, he, he snaps that ball. The ball comes out of his hand. It spins with a, with a crispness and a swiftness that those other quarterbacks don't. He has a lot of confidence in that arm, and his feet come with it. And so when you have the arm and the feet that come with it, it's a deadly combination. The The key here is to create that connection with those receivers. Who are those receivers that are going to emerge? I'll tell you, after Caden Davis, number 13, who was the first receiver out here, who was the second receiver out here? That's right, your very own Jerry Judy, number 10, coming out here, getting warmed up. He had a script in his hand, obviously. He's studying those plays. What I talked about earlier, you don't want that, only studying the plays you think you're going to be in. But Jerry is the type of receiver who can be in on any play. So he's got to know this whole playbook, but it is complicated. So all these guys have their heads swimming. It's not just coming out here and physically performing. It's coming out here and mentally performing, lining up in the right spot, not having the coaches have to stop practice because you are not lined up right or you ran the wrong route and messed up the whole play. It's a mental affair here, and you got to take it one rep at a time and focus on your job. But you also have to understand the big picture. Why am I running a slant here? What am I trying to accomplish with this coverage? If the ball's going elsewhere, what am I trying to eat up? Am I trying to eat up a corner or a safety or take the attention away from the middle so someone else can get open? There's the big picture you got to see, but you got to start with your job, and you got to do it. All right, looks like the quarterbacks are wearing the blue jerseys, offensive line wearing orange jerseys. Defensive guys are in white 
jerseys. Uh, okay, there we go. So just the quarterbacks are in blue. I guess that's the version of the, the, the red jerseys. The red don't hit me shirt. What are the kickers going to be in? That's what I wonder. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen a specialist just yet. But, uh, yeah, I think it's nice that the quarterbacks are not in the red jersey. It just it, it denotes something that uh, I don't think should be seen on the football field. So the first horn has blown. Uh, you love that air horn. You yes. got to love that sound. Yes. That, so now pre-practice warm-ups are over. All the centers and snappers and quarterbacks are heading over to the stretch lines. We are just minutes away from the very first period of Broncos training camp 2022, my man. Love it, man. This is, uh, you know, as a player, this is your time. Hopefully you got a little lather going with the warm-up they were just going through, and now you stretch. You don't want to stretch a cold muscle. So for all you out there who go to the gym and stretch first, um, unless you're doing some kind of yoga flow stretch, you're not really getting stretched out. But these guys are because they were able to uh, warm up, and uh, the stretching routines always are a little different based on who your strength coach is. You got the strength coach, uh, your buddy out there. Lauren Landau. Lauren Landau leading them through some active kind of stretching stuff. You want to activate the core. You want to get your hips and your groin and your hamstring going for these receivers. Look, there's a reason why there's 13 wide receivers in camp because after one week, you're going to have seven or eight guys out there. You're going to have hamstring pulls. You're going to have groin pulls. You're going to have hip flexor stuff. That just that just goes because of the intensity of the training now. It's, it's not like when you're training in the offseason. Now you're, these reps are a lot faster, a lot more aggressive. There's a lot more of them. You're going to get some tweaks. You try to get as warmed up as possible so those don't happen. Uh, This is a new era of Broncos football with new coach, new quarterback. uh, And Corlin Sutton said there's a new standard. We will dive into that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's definitely a, um, a different level of, as you say, the standard that's been held, you know, um, brought to us. And I would say that, it, you know, it, it, it definitely began when, when Russ when Russ got picked up and we were able to get him acquired as our quarterback. Yeah, I think the standard started there and, you know, it's, it, it hasn't dropped. And we all appreciate it. You know, we, we hold the defense to a different standard because we want them to give us a good look. And they hold us to another standard so that we can make sure we're giving them a good look. Because if we're not bettering ourselves to better them, then, you know, we're also hurting the whole team. And it's vice versa. Corlin Sutton talking about the new standard. Um, I would argue maybe that isn't a new standard. It's a return to the old standard. Uh, this organization, one of the proudest organizations of all of professional sports. I know for Corlin Sutton's tenure here as a Bronco, this is a new standard. But the historical view, you pull the scope back a little bit, maybe further than a young person like Corlin Sutton can do and, and pull that scope back, you can see this has long been the standard here of excellence in championships and all that. So Corlin Sutton is experiencing this for the first time. Uh, it's got to be welcome in that locker room. It's got to be refreshing to know from a wide receiver perspective, that's the quarterback that's going to be throwing me the ball. That guy is going to lift all uh, uh, t- uh, lift all boats in this organization and have the opportunity to change the way which this team is viewed nationally as well. Yeah, he, he's been there. He's done that, right? Russell has the, the skins on the wall, if, if, if so to say. So when I got here in 2003, uh, I was here for six years. We didn't win a Super Bowl. We got close. We went to the AFC Championship one year. But every year, we expected 
to win it all. Right. That was the standard because there were guys in this locker room who had won it all, who were part of the back-to-back Super Bowl wins, who showed the young guys how to do it. And you talk about that Denver Broncos standard. And uh, Joe Ellis just uh, came out of his office upstairs and walked out onto the balcony and oversaw, took a look at the, his team down here. And, and Joe Ellis, uh, you, you got to wonder what's going through his mind right now because in a couple of weeks he's probably clearing out that office. And how long has he been up there? How many of these training camps has he overseen? Um and how much of, you know, how difficult it has been for Joe Ellis to to carry out that standard in Pat's absence, you know, and juggle all those moving parts and figure out uh, just, you know, the the squabble between the family members on who owns this team, trying to maintain the standard while going through all that. It had to have trickled down a little bit into what was going on in the field and, and, and the rotating cast of coaches and the inability to find a quarterback. And because the ownership of stuff was up in the air, they figured it out. They settled it. They sold it to, a, it seems like, a, a worthy owner who's going to do things the right way and, and carry that standard and be the steward of this organization. So I just wanted a quick shout out to Joe Ellis and the job he's done. I think he needs to be commended. Has it been perfect? No. But to me, you know, the reason why we love the Broncos is because of the ride, the highs and the lows. The highs don't feel as high when you haven't been through the lows together. The Broncos, like you said, the standard of excellence has always been there, which has made these six uh, years so difficult. But there is hope now that that can be turned around. You hear the air horn going stretches over. These guys are breaking up offense and defense. Yeah, it looks like they're running to their position groups. Typically, you do about 10 to 12 minutes of fundamentals to start every practice. Guys go to their position groups immediately after stretch. Uh, linebackers typically going to be some kind of bag drills. DBs working on their turns and back pedals and all that. Receivers working on their get-offs. And, What's Cecil Lammy working on? He's walking uh, by here looking Cecil Lammy working on his sexy. Where's your, where's your leather, though? No leather today? Not, no, no, no less for seats. Well, we are out here with a cast of thousands. The the berm is not quite a capacity crowd uh, just yet. Uh, I'd imagine as the week moves along, here is a Wednesday to start training camp. Yep. Um, but uh, definitely excitement is abound. Uh, the fans' crew is everywhere. We saw Orlando Franklin pop in a little bit earlier. I saw you uh, get some dap over to D-Mac a little bit earlier. Yep, D-Mac's over there. Everybody's here. Tyler's here. Kevin Kissinger's here. John Davis is here. Cecil's here. Um, Richie's here. You know, and then all the other media members who we won't mention who work for other stations and whatnot. The enemy. The enemy. They're here as well. Excitement level is very high. Uh, practices is getting going, man. These fi- It's finally here. It's it finally, finally here. here. Our analysis of Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride, is presented by Elite Sports Book. Yeah, so the first individual periods of Training Camp 2022. Uh, this isn't individual, though. No, is, is it? Uh, this got- is special teams, it looks like. All That's right. what's going on. So the offensive line, d- d- during special teams like kickoff, kickoff return, offensive linemen don't do any of that stuff. So they're off on the, another field doing their fat guy stuff. And on this side, we're doing the special teams drills. Uh, fits. Looks like looks like it's a kickoff coverage, kind of punt coverage, staying in your lane and uh, shedding the blocker and tracking a ball carrier there. The special teams unit from the Broncos has to improve this year. Has That's to. why they brought in Dwayne Stukes. I mistakenly said this is a first-time special teams coordinator, Dwayne Stukes. He's had one year okay. as a special teams coordinator, 2011, in Tampa. Gotcha. They went 4-12. and 12. Okay. Okay, and then he spent the next 10 years doing assistant stuff. Now he's back in charge, and I like what he says. I like the words that come out of his mouth about establishing a culture in that room because it's very important, man. This, this unit can win 
or lose ball games for you. Last year just wasn't good enough. I think the special teams coordinator position is one of the more difficult positions on the coaching staff because you work with so many players and players who have varied motivations from a special teams standpoint. So this unit has not been a ranked better than 24th, I think, the last six or seven years for the Broncos. So the, the improvement in the special teams unit is going to be critical. If the uh, Kyle Reese uh, theory that we've talked about a couple times that the excellence in quarterback play across this division in some ways begins to cancel out the offenses across this division uh, that this division is going to be won by the best defense and therefore also this best special teams unit the Broncos special teams unit has to take a massive leap forward for them to be in that conversation. Yep and, and before that happens these guys who are trying to make the team this is their ticket the number six receiver he's not going to be a, a number one target in games Number five receiver, he wants to dress for games. This is what he's got to be doing. There's a lot of guys who are going to make this team because of special teams, and so they have to pay attention during these uh, during these periods and be in those meetings, taking notes, and understand that they cannot just slack off during these periods. This is not a phone-it-in type of period. This is a period that the ideally the head coaches watch it. You know, Maybe not right now. Maybe he's talking to somebody else about what's going to happen in this practice, but after the fact, he will be watching these special teams uh, films, and he's going to be evaluating players based on what they can do on game day. You suit up 45 guys, every single one of them has to contribute somehow. There are no guys who just don't play on game day. You know, obviously the back of quarterback doesn't, but everyone else is on the field in one way or another. How are you going to contribute? That's what these guys have to figure out. Uh, I like the fact that special teams uh, period is included in the actual practice. Uh, I think both you and I have been on teams where special teams were maybe part of pre-practice. Yeah. And I think when you don't make it important for the entire team, when you kind of push it to pre-practice or post-practice, uh, you don't get the same kind of buy-in. You don't get the same kind of uh, attention to detail and focus. So for Nathaniel Hackett and his staff to make special teams a priority, literally have the first piece of practice once break stretch uh, break ends. Uh, that shows the importance to it. I think it gives the team an indicator of how important this unit is going to be for the success of the 2022 Broncos. Yeah, during the season, we would special teams would come out early, 30 minutes early, and have you know punt, punt protection, um, punt return, whatever we're doing that day, and uh, and then the rest of the guys would come out at the end of the period, you know, and then we would do one in the middle of practice as well, maybe a 10 minute, 15 minute period, field goal stuff like that. But um, but it is it's a crucial element of this team. You got 90 dudes out here right now, 90, and for you know roughly 30 percent of them, the dream's going to end pretty soon here. So which guys are going to make an impression enough to stick around? You got to remember you got the practice squad as well, which what 16 guys on the practice squad, Cecil again this year. So Cecil standing right next to me, you, you can't see him, but he looks very handsome. And um, 16 guys in the practice squad, you add that to 53, so that's 69. Um, so 21 of these guys are going to be gone. 16 will be on the practice squad give or take a few. They might pick up some other guys on some other teams that they like in preseason and put them on the practice squad or on the active roster, whatever it is. But um, you have no time to waste. Every day is being evaluated, like you said. Uh, the uh, special teams and the opportunity that special teams can give a player, I'm not sure if there is a Terrell Davis story without special teams and the importance of special teams. So uh, my wife was walking our dogs yesterday, ran into Terrell Davis a couple of blocks away from our house. Uh, so nice to see him as a neighbor. I'm actually going to try to hook up with TD and have some drinks, uh, my wife and his wife, here in the next couple of days. Looking forward to that. But if he doesn't make that splash play in uh, Tokyo, in Japan, uh, during his rookie season, 
Does he gain the opportunity to catch the coach's eye as a running back? Yep. That might not have happened. There's countless numbers of NFL greats who made that splash play, who opened the coach's eyes on a special teams play. Um, I, I mean, I, I made one myself to make the team. I was, you know, I was a receiver. I came here in the middle of the camp, uh, middle of camp. I had a week or two to make an impression. The last preseason game, you know, all the guys who were trying to make the team have to play the whole game. As a receiver, I had a ball in the end zone, a high ball that I thought I should have caught, go off my fingertips, and I didn't catch that. The one play I did make was on special teams, on kickoff. I was the R2, and I bent in there and tripped the guy up. Other than that, he had an open, it had opened, it had parted like the Red Sea. The guy was going to, you know, maybe have a 40, 50-yard return, and I tripped him up. And really, I do think that play contributed to me sticking around. I got put on practice squad, but it was something. It was something that a coach can see. Okay, this guy is ready for these moments, and there's no job that he won't do. That's what I encourage these players to do. Anything you're asked, anytime they need a guy, jump in there. Okay, like you said, everything is being evaluated. The guy who you sit with in the lunchroom, what time, you know, how early you come out here, what your lifting habits are like. They're communicating with everybody in this building about how you go about your business. And so there is no time to waste. You've got to take all this very seriously. Uh, expectations are incredibly high with the arrival of Coach Hackett and Russell Wilson. We'll hear from George Payton talking about that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents training camp 2022 ready to ride here's chad and nate we know expectations are higher than they've been here you know we're not blind to that we embrace expectations but we have a long way to go you know we haven't won here in five six years we won seven games last year we're zero and zero now so the work starts now a lot of work to be done uh, I know we're going to embrace the process, and I just look forward to the journey with Coach Hackett, with this team, and everyone else involved. Nate and I are live here at UC Health Training Center. Defense is going through some fumble recovery drills. Certainly would love to see those turnover numbers improve. That was George Payton talking about expectations for this season. And we are joined by Cecil Lammy. Sexy Cecil, thanks for joining us, buddy. Good to be here. Uh, the expectation level for this Bronco team. Obviously, optimism is abound across NFL training camps the country. Everyone's optimistic. The Jets are breaking down huddles with one, two, three, Super Bowl. Everyone's... Are they? I think yeah. they are. Every team I've ever been around does that. Well, are you sure they're not going one, two, three, Super Bowl? <laughs> with the question mark? Yeah, question mark? Should we try for it? My point is, optimism and excitement and positivity is a thing in NFL training camp. Absolutely. But for this team, Coach Hackett, Russell Wilson, Cecil, do you think the optimism level that the fans are feeling will be met with uh, reality on the field here in year one. I think fans need to be even more optimistic than they are right now. That's how great this team could be. Not good because it's all about December football, right? We heard right. that a couple of different times yesterday. Guess what today is? Today's December, guys. And not just because training camp is like 15 days of Christmas for me. But it's December football right now because this system and the way this team plays, both offensively and defensively, they're playing December football right what now. What do you mean by that? That means end of the year, you're going to have to play great defense, swarm around the quarterback, you're going to have to run the ball. Well, this offense, as both of you know, is predicated on, yes, letting Russ cook, but in order for him to cook, you got to run the ball. So they're going to run the ball, and they're going to do it well, and they're going to do it with Javante Williams, maybe a dash of Melvin Gordon. 
But December football starts now, and that's the type of football that can take you a long ways when it gets to the end of the year, December, and beyond. Okay, so you're not, you don't seem concerned about any kind of stumbling coming out of the gate offensively. Based on a new system, obviously, the right. offensive linemen are kind of still up in the air as to who's going to be the starter. They're learning a new system. Right. Um, and obviously, Russ is collaborating with Nathaniel Hackett to do what Russ does best. But is there any concern that they don't know what Russ does best yet in this system because he hasn't done it? Are you going to be concerned if they come out of the gates slow? Well, here's the thing. The Seattle one is kind of a no-win situation for Denver. you got to kick the crap out of them, right? Because that's a team where everyone goes, you should beat Seattle week one. I know it's there. I know Russ is going back, but whatever. you should. But if they beat Seattle by three, everyone's like, oh. If they go out and beat Seattle by 21, 24, 28, then you're like, yeah, Broncos country, we are ready to ride. So I think... What's that, what happens the if they season, go there and lose? Oh, that's not a great look to start things off, especially right. the early portion of the schedule. It gets much tougher after the bye. So this December football thing, you better be playing it right now because when it's actually December, your schedule is really, really tough. What about the thought that, okay, so Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. I had Tampa a number of times that season on the call. I had an uh, opening game against New Orleans. Tom threw a pick six. It was very uncharacteristic what we think of as Tom Brady. Even had them like week 12 or 13 against Kansas City. They were still rounding that offense into the shape that propelled them to that Super Bowl championship. So even as good of a coach as Bruce Arians is, even as uh, talented as Tom Brady is, maybe the GOAT of all time, it took them almost an entire season to have a meeting of the minds. Why are you optimistic that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett can hit the ground running despite uh, you know other quarterbacks having uh, season-long difficulty? Matt Stafford? With the Rams last right. year. Took him a while for him to get on the same Hell, page with Peyton Sean Manning with the Broncos, yes. right? You had to go to that Chargers game where Orlando's like, we just went in the locker room. We're like, dudes, we got to do this. It's on us. Then they didn't lose a game right. after that. But they were 2-3 and three at the time. Think about that. They right. were 2-3 and three with Peyton Manning. And they were staring down the barrel of being 2-4. and four. And then all of a sudden Peyton comes back, the down by 24, whatever the number was, and they don't lose a game. To me, my optimism is back to the ground game, back to the Russian attack, because Tom Brady, God bless Leonard Fournette. I know he's the size I used to be, probably larger than that, but, like, okay, you look at these other teams, the Rams, hey, well, you got Daryl Henderson, everybody. Like, no, you have a legitimate Russian attack so that when things are down, hey, guys, we need to hit the reset button. Javante, you're up. This is your time to shine. That ground game you could lean on. Russ can get used to things, and there will be some stumbling blocks. There will be, yes, some interceptions, some pick sixes, like you said. But I've got faith within this system, this scheme. And that running back, Javante Williams, is not just a star. He's a potential superstar in this league. If he led the league in rushing, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not projecting it, okay? But if he were able to do that, if he got that large enough of a workload, we're talking about a Jonathan Taylor, a Nick Chubb, that level of running back. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, Cecil, and how you see these guys uh, getting ready to play. There's not a lot of position battles going on on the defense. Right. Everything seems to be short up as long as you got healthy guys. Um, DJ Jones, Draymond, jo- Draymond Jones, you got Bradley Chubb. If Randy Gregory's healthy, he's in there. Josie Jewell, probably, presumably the starter down there, and the whole secondary is set. So, what do you look look at for this defense? Are they possibly going to be the strength of this team? Well, the waves, right? You're a surfer. No, I'm, not. I'm from California, but I'm not a surfer. You're never a surfer? I was a skateboarder. Okay. Well, yeah. Boogie board for me. Boogie board. <laughs> yes. I'm a boogie boarder. Somebody's seen water before, right? Yes, I get in the and ocean. you're judging the waves. Right. Well, I want them to judge the waves of these pass rushers. Pass rusher is actually 
kind of a concern for me. Randy Gregory's hurt. Bradley Chubb's healthy for now. Hopefully he stays healthy. Then behind him, what's Malik Reed do with more pressure, more blitz situations? What's that look like from Jonathan Cooper? I love Baron Browning at outside. Actually wouldn't mind him inside because of his coverage ability, but now he's going to be outside. So you have these pass rushing options. Nick Benito didn't do anything in mandatory minicamp. I know, oh, hey, he's learning or whatever. 13, he was struggling to make some plays. So I'm going to be watching that very closely. But I want to see where these waves are at and judge these waves and see if it's a riptide for the Broncos' defense. (laughs) I love the wave analogies, Cecil. Uh, When you look across this roster uh, and you do a deeper dive, Every year, the Broncos have an undrafted free agent who, who makes the team. So I'm not necessarily asking you to go that deep into the, 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 the roster. I can if you want me to. But give me somebody who you think is going to be a surprise who most folks don't know that guy's name right now. Yeah, right now, and you got two players in that secondary, Nate, because I think, like, Ronald Darby's kind of the, okay, Ronald, you're going to get tested a lot. Yeah. What about those guys behind you? Now, Michael Ojemudia trying to rejuvenate everything, and I think he can. But I look at Jaquan McMillan, and I look at Damari Mathis. So you're talking about two rookie corners, one drafted, one undrafted, that both showed glimpses. Again, I know it's rookie minicamp, OTAs, mandatory minicamp, but I watched every practice. And every practice, I seem to be looking at my roster being like, who is that? Oh, God, that's McMillan again. Oh, man, there's Mathis again. And Mathis, the best part of his game is he's a tackler. Chad would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to see that until the preseason. But these two kids... Both look like they can play, one bound for the active roster, one bound for the practice squad, and both potential, you know, rotational or maybe even for Mathis, like a future starter for this team after Ronald Darby's done. You talked about the running game being an important part of this offense. Obviously, they signed Eric Salbert, tight end, rogue rating blocker kind of good guy, special teamer as well, Eric Tomlinson, blocker, Andrew Beck still on the roster, blocker, right? Yeah. So obviously, that's important as a tight end. But then you got Alberto and Greg Dulcich kind of, to me, battling it out for who's going to be that passing threat. Maybe both of them will be on the field at some point if they can both block. But what's your idea about, among those two players, who's going to emerge as a guy who's a reliable, not just a receiver, yeah. but a blocker? Yeah, and that's got to be Okuebenam. First and foremost, Dulcich is an effort guy. He doesn't have the technique down. He's a rookie. He's also hurt. So there's hurt a, now. a few things. He was hurt at rookie minicamp. I haven't seen his participation level yet today, yeah. uh, as we're just starting practice today. But he was hurt at rookie minicamp at OTA, so they held him out of practice. It was disappointing when he was out there. The dude is fast. Now, Alberto's fast. He's faster than Noah Fant, by the way. Yeah. But Dulcich is like wide receiver fast. There is a marked difference in watching those two on the field. So to me, it's Okawebenom, and he's got to learn to be kind of mini-kittle. Discount kittle? <laughs> mini-kittle. I don't, I don't know. What do you call it? Because I don't want to say poor man's kittle. Poor man's right? kittle. There we that go. That sounds bad, though. Like So, yeah. like, uh, you know, discount kittle. Yeah. Bargain bin kittle. Whatever. Robson Walton's not a poor man. Exactly. So maybe not poor man. He's not shopping in a bargain bin, that's right. for sure. And with Okuebenom, he's got that size. He does have that effort as a blocker, work on his technique, and he can do both. Thanks, Cecil. Really appreciate it, buddy. When we come back, Nate and I will wrap up here day one from our experience. What did we learn? That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Can I say that your juices are flowing and you want to get out there on the field? I see you bobbing your head. You kind of got some a posture like you're ready to go do this. You're ready to bang. There is a inner football player in me. I don't think that will ever go away. Yeah. So I'll be 90 years old, and if I'm around a football <laughs> practice, you know, I widen my stance a little bit, want right. to get my base right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, this is what I do when I'm on a football field. I I, I stand a certain way. Yeah, right. So totally, the the juices are flowing. You the do crunch. widen the base a little bit. You know, when yeah. you stand and watch a football. Yeah. A football. You practice. can't just stand with your feet together. You yeah. gotta, you know, a little bit wider than hip distance apart. Widen the base. Yes. Squeeze the butt cheeks together a little bit. Fold your arms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just like Richie right now. Definitely what I'm doing. <laughs> Richie standing right in front of us with the uh, extra medium uh, yeah, shorts on. Extra well. medium shorts. <laughs> With the outline of his uh, wallet on his pocket there. That's right. I can see the credit card number in there. Yes. The uh, offense was doing uh, just on-air throwing balls to receivers down in the end zone. A couple of nice catches that were hard to see, but I could hear the crowd react to that. Apparently, Russell Wilson was delivering some good balls. The receivers and the quarterbacks are coming down here with the deep. Hopefully, we get to see some one-on-ones here because that's really where you make your hay as a receiver who's down on that depth chart. A guy like Caden Davis, number 13, who was the first player out here getting warmed up. Now's an opportunity for him, but it looks like they're just going to be doing seven-on-seven uh, seven stuff, not one-on-ones. Uh, so I uh, teased out, what did we learn uh, earlier uh, here for us to wrap up the show? We learned that uh, Russell Wilson is a man of the people, exited the locker room, went straight over to the fans on the hill, and got the fans going. Yeah. Uh, we also learned that uh, Javante Williams got the very first handoff in the individual period. Yep. Uh, so in the uh, bated breath, uh, thinking of, oh, my gosh, who's going to be the starter? Who's going to lead the running back room? Uh, Javante Williams is so far D-Mac. the first guy getting that first handoff. Yep, and in the huddle right now uh, for the first play of 7-on-7, seven seven, you got Javante Williams, you got Tim Patrick, you got Corlin Sutton, you got Albert O, and you got Eric Tomlinson. This is uh, two tight end set, two receivers, one running back. Here comes the, here come the big boys, so they're doing a, a team period. The offensive uh, line is coming over here as well. Yep. With, you got Lloyd Cushenberry in there, you got Dalton Reisner. You got Garrett Bolsey coming over here. You got Quinn Miners. I can't see who the right tackle is over there. Oh, yeah. Um, who, who do we got? Yeah, we got uh, Calvin Anderson is is in the first group right now. So, um, take you know, take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, we talked earlier about how things are going to change. Some guys are going to be in the ones one day, other guys the next day. But right now, you got Bolsey. You got Dalton Reisner, you got Cushenberry, you got the belly, and the belly's out right now, by the way. The shirt has been pulled over the belly. We talked about the belly being smaller. It's still not small. It's a large belly. He's standing next to Calvin Anderson, and uh, Russell Wilson's down on the knee right now, looking up at his teammates, giving them the play. The very first team play of camp. Front seven for the defense. We got Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed at outside linebacker. We've got uh, Deshaun Williams playing a defensive tackle. We've got DJ Jones at nose guard. Got an off tackle pitch to Javante Williams. Stuff for no game. Jonah, De- uh, Jonah Griffin is playing inside linebacker, and Josie Jewell is leading the huddle there. So that's the front seven for the defense, trying to get some def- uh, defensive back numbers out there. We've got uh, Kareem Jackson. We've got Ronald Darby. I think that's uh, Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons. So. Yeah. There's a starting defense for the first team period of uh, training camp day one. Yep, and they're still in Tiger. No, they're not. They're in three receivers, one tight end. One tight end, that's Alberto. Uh, Russell Wilson's in shotgun right now. Javante Williams standing next to him on his left. You got a um, Travis Fulgham in motion, play action pass. Russell Wilson standing in his pocket. Checks down to uh, Javante Williams for probably a gain of seven or eight. 
Uh, I think the other defensive tackle out there is Draymond Jones. So that, yeah, that's the starting defense out there, the starting offense to start the very first period. Obviously, these starting positions are in a bit of flux. Uh, things will change as, as camp goes along. Uh, it'll be interesting to see some of these guys who are stepping into the spots for injured players. Uh, is Malik Reed going to be constantly the number one replacement for Randy Gregory? Do other guys get a chance? Will we see a Jonathan Cooper day? Sometimes coaches will give guys certain days to see what, if they're able to handle the load. Uh, but right now, it was uh, Malik Reed. Nice play by Jonah Griffin with a tackle for loss, essentially, right there. And that was to Mike Boone. That was a toss left to Mike Boone, who's getting second-team reps there. Cecil on the nose with that one. Looks like Melvin Gordon's going to have to work his way back into the lineup after missing those OTA time. Yeah, when you uh, sit out all of training camp, uh, all of the offseason for the most part, there is a punishment for that. As there should be. As there should be. These other guys have been in here working. You weren't. Uh, you know, you have the opportunity to earn your way up on the field. But for now, that gives us a slotting for this running back room. Yeah, and that's three plays for Russell Wilson, and now he's out. And Josh Johnson taking reps now and handing that ball off to Demary Crockett with a nice hole, actually, on a cutback there. So, um it looks like they're going to go 3-3-3 three, 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 or maybe the 3-2-2-3. Three, two, two, three. Russell Wilson should be taking more reps, but you got to get those guys behind your reps, right? So part of the art of being a coach and an offensive coach is figuring out how many reps to give to the backup. Guys get hurt all the time in the NFL. Quarterbacks go down. What's going to happen if your starting quarterback goes down? Not, I'm not just saying for Russell Wilson, but every team has to prepare for that eventuality. Looks like we got Ben Braden, who's listed as a guard, playing left tackle now that Garrett Bowles is out. So something interesting to watch, obviously, offensive line. You want to be able to have some position flexibility. We tend to think of guards and centers being interchangeable. It's pretty rare a guard can step out and slide out and play offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. versatility is really important on the offensive line in this system. Uh, interesting to see Russell's people walking around as well um, with with the Russell Wilson brand on, and uh, you just kind of getting used to seeing his, who his team is, <laughs> right? And, and how they mingle with the other people who work for the Broncos already, how they're coming together, collaborating on what is going to be a very interesting camp. Yeah, so uh, yeah, first team period of training camp underway. A little bit of a move the ball, beginning to move the ball down the here on the south field heading towards the hill. Uh, I'm seeing organization. I'm seeing energy. Uh, when you have a first practice and a first time head coach, uh, there can be some question marks. Like, how is this all going to play out? Uh, but the energy we saw in the offseason from both sides of the ball, that's at a high level right now. Things are certainly organized. There's a very fast pace, pace to yeah. practice. The pace is very quick. So uh, it looks like Nathaniel Hackett and his staff have certainly got that part of practice together, at least here on day one. Yeah, the pace is really important as an offense, and you don't really think about it sometimes when you practice because you're trying to get everyone in there. Oh, this guy's not in. Bring this guy in. Oh, what's the call again? Let's get the call right. But a lot of times that trickles down into a game, and you can see a team who's, who doesn't have a sense of urgency when the game starts is letting the play clock tick all the way down to one. And as a defensive player, don't you love that? Letting the play clock tick down and being able to time your jump because you I know they're going to snap it, Absolutely right? Absolutely love that. These Broncos don't want to let that happen. Russell Wilson's been around the game a long time and understands how important that pace is to the offense. Melvin Gordon had that last offensive carry. That was an outside zone to the left. It was uh, defended well, and Melvin Gordon did that patented one foot in the ground cutback that we saw Terrell Davis, you know, use for a 2,000-yard season. Yeah. A lot of those yards were against my Seattle Seahawks. That play, unfortunately, is far too familiar for me, uh, and the success of that play 
uh, against some of my Seahawks defenses. Well, this is it for you and I, my friend. Day one for us is in the books. We hand this thing over to Stokely and Zach. A lot of fun, a lot of energy out here at Bronco Camp. Day one, it's going to be fun, man. Let's ride. Let's ride. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.